I want to thank you for coming this morning. The Apostle Paul is, in first, is writing a letter to some people in a place called Corinth. And Corinth is, is a city that's, that's a lot like our modern cities. And these are people who um, are really looking into, uh, in, into God, yes, but at the same time what they're, what they're doing is they're bringing into their, their local body, what they're bringing into their local church are, are, are all of the practices that our world um, uh, believes in. They're bringing in all of these different mindsets and things that are happening. And the Apostle Paul is speaking to them, and he's, and he's essentially saying this should not be, this is not appropriate uh, for the church to act in these ways. And, and he's saying to them, he's saying, like, there, there's a lot of fighting that's going on, and there's a lot, a lot of divisions that are happening, and, there's, and people are just all over the place here, and, and you guys have taken up a different, you know, I, I'm, I like this person, or I like that person, and what, it, what it's doing is it's turning the church into a mockery. It's essentially turning the church into a modern-day election cycle where there's uh, ads that are running on TV, there's hit pieces that are taking place, um, and uh, there's, uh, people are uh, coming out against uh, other people, and essentially that same mindset is coming into the church, and where we might go wrong is we might start to think, like, that, that's not a danger of ours, that's not a danger that we have, like, that's, that's not... That that's not a problem. But here's the thing. What Paul is saying is that there's, here are these people who think that they're spiritual and want to believe that they have it all together. And we, we have so much of that in our society where we have people who've been attending church for a long time. But what's really happening is that there, there's this spiritual immaturity that's, that's going on in their lives. But then there's also people who've really never been a part of a church, and yet they, they believe that they're experts in what spirituality really is. And they believe that what they say about God and what they think about God is determinant uh, as to who God is. And, and so, so many people have this wrong, and they don't understand like what's really going on. And the, their lives are coming apart at the seams, and Paul, indeed, is saying it's happening in the church as well. It happens in, in our church as well, where we, where we begin to say, like, I, I don't really like this, but I like that. And, and, I, and I, you know, I, I'm not really that kind of person or that type of theo theology person. I'm, I'm really this kind of person. And really what it's doing is it's creating factions. It's creating fights. It's creating disorder. And we know that our world is full of disorder. Our world is full of disorder. Our God is not a God of disorder, but our world is full of disorder. And in so many cases, the, the reason why these factions and these fights and this strife and jealousy and envy and things take place is because we have never really been in tune with where life really needs to be keyed into. The thing that we think the most is that progress matters most, that my progress in life, how I'm viewed, is what matters most. It's what happens in conversations when, when, uh, when you see someone that you've known for a little while and you say, how have you been doing? The thing that you want to tell them about, 
oftentimes, is that you want to tell them about the progress in your life. You want to say, well, I've been doing this and I've been doing that. You're talking about new things. It's, it's something else. It's progressive. It's saying, I, I, I want to make, make these things happen. I want to make those things happen. And, 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 and I've made progress in these ways. We, we think so much about this progress that we say, you know, I, I, I really need progress so much that I'm going to go to self-help books. I might even attend church. Or I might look to this particular pastor or to this, uh, even this TV host or this celebrity or this person that's going to make me feel good about myself. And I'm going to look to them and I'm going to say that what, what, the way that I'm going to get progress is by tuning into this way of life. And so what happens in our lives is that we're always looking for progress, we're always looking for things to be progressing, to be maturing, to be uh, coming different. And for sure, maturity and growth is good. However, the maturity and the growth that we desire so often has its roots, has its foundation in something that is going to fail us, that will fall apart. I don't know what your, what your life is like. I don't know what you've, what you've been into or, or where you're looking for success or what you're, what you're looking for as the thing that's going to make you feel like my life matters. Like my life, my, my life matters and, and I'm making a difference. When I was, when I was a, a man in my, or a young man in my early 20s, I just turned 40, so I'm, really, uh, I'm not really a, uh, a young man anymore, but uh, I'm getting, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm getting older, I guess. I, I can say it. I can say it. All right. Um, so uh, when I was a, a young man, I, uh, I, uh, I remember thinking so much about what it was that, I, that I'm going to do. What's my life going to be like? How, how am I going to be perceived as being somebody who is successful? How am I going to be perceived as someone who is seen as having done a lot of great things? And I, and I, and I s- strived after this, and I wanted this to be the case so much, so much so that I, I moved to California on a whim, and I was just like, I am going to make something of myself, and I am, my life is going to matter by the things that I do. And when I got to this point where I realized that that, that trip down to California and that internship at that, at that place, when I realized that that thing was not going to pay off the way that I wanted it to, I was devastated. I was devastated. And I laid on my couch and I had the only thing that I can describe as some, some type of anxiety attack or something along those lines because in that moment I realized that I had not achieved anything that I had really j- just been chasing the wind and I had been looking for something that just wasn't going to happen. But some of you, you did get what you, what you were hoping for. You did get what you were hoping for because you went after it and you got it. You got the house or you got the girl or you got the job or you got the right school or you got whatever it is, fill in the blank for you. And the problem with that is this, is that you believe that your source of life, and you believe that, that what you need most is coming from that area of life. And what Paul's going to show us here is that when that takes place, it brings about all kinds of problems in our life. Let's look at the passage here. First uh, Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. He says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, As infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not ready. 
for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, or another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is in Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. I want to stop right there. The Apostle Paul is speaking to us today. And he's saying this, he's saying there's, there's a lot of people in our world, there's a lot of people uh, who think that they're pretty mature. In relation to the church, he's saying there's these people who believe that they have this spiritual maturity about them. In fact, this church is really into wisdom. And they're really into their leaders and they're saying, okay, this is the kind of leader that I want because he speaks in the way that I want him to. That's Paul or Apollos or another guy named Cephas. And he's saying, he's saying this, he's saying, when, when this takes place, when this happens, what's actually taking place is that you are, are, are really acting like a spiritual infant. Because he's just gotten done saying, in the previous passage, he's saying that the, the natural person, the person who doesn't have Jesus, uh, the Spirit of God, the person who doesn't have that, is somebody who, they, they just can't understand what's going on. It's just... It's, it's, it's a mist to them. They don't understand what's taking place. And what he's saying to them is he's saying this. Like, you think that you have the Spirit. You think that you're mature. But really, there's really great immaturity that's going on in your life. So much so, he's saying, you're acting as infants, as, as people of the flesh, he says. He says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, when you first came to faith. For you weren't ready for it, and even now, you're still not ready. It's years down the road, you've been a Christian for this long, and, and yet you still are not ready for meat. You're still somebody who is not weaned off of your mama. You're still on milk. Now let me speak to the church here for a second. There's so many of us in this room who think that we have made it. 
because simply because you've been in. There's, been t- there's time in. You've been in for a while, and so you've kind of been uh, on the in uh, group. You might have, you've been attending for a while. Maybe, maybe you've attended many churches. Maybe you've just attended one church. But here's the thing, that there's a possibility that there is still such great immaturity in your life. And what's really happening is that you're continuing to act like somebody who's just human. And so look at what the, what, what the expectation is here. The expectation is, is that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that your life is going to grow, that you are going to slowly be putting away the things of your flesh, the things that you really want to do, and that you're going to be advancing and that you're going to become somebody who's actually growing and you're going to become more spiritual as a result. However, too many people have taken the gospel of Jesus Christ and said, well, it just doesn't matter what I do because I, you know, I have the gospel and so I can just go on living any way that I want. And what Paul is saying here is he's saying, here's the thing. It's true that you cannot get yourself to God into heaven, spiritually speaking, without the gospel of Jesus Christ. Works are not going to get you there. But here's the thing, that your maturity is dependent Like you maturing as a person is dependent on you putting away the things of your flesh, the things that belong to our world, the things, the way that our world judges, and begin to walk the way that Jesus would have you walk. And so let's think about, let's look at how our world responds. In our world today, who is more valuable? The fruitful? Or the faithful? Is it the faithful politician that's been doing his doing his his work, doing his duty day in and day out? Or is it somebody who's seen as fruitful? Is it the businessman who is uh, continually like he's he's a good man? He may not be breaking any records, but he's a good man. He has a great family. He uh, or businesswoman, I should say. This is two thousand. Uh, 16, I suppose. You could be in business if you're a woman, right? And so, uh, so you have a good family. You, you take care of whatever it is that you need to take care of at home. Is that the person that, that is exclaimed as like, man, they're awesome? Or is it the person who seems fruitful? It's the person who is like, man, they're breaking records. They're the mo- most profitable, profitable business ever. Like people are buying their stuff right and left, and they're, they're, it's just amazing and, and, and fantastic, but their family stinks. They're, they're, they're fruitful, but they're faithless. In our world today, what, what matters most is the fact that somebody would be fruitful. It's survival of the fittest. It's the person who is most fruitful and who does, uh, does the most. That's the person that we're looking to. That's the person that we want to see. And what takes place is that you and I take that into our daily lives. And we say, because our world is built on this paradigm, that my fruitfulness equals my value. That I I am valuable based on how fruitful I am. Whether it's in business or relationships, or my health, or the the things that I do in my life, My fruitfulness equals my value. 
And so we take that value system and we bring it into our life when we say, how can I assimilate with this and make this a part of my life? And so we bring people into our lives who we say, man, this is the epitome of what I want to be. Like, I want to be the type of person that is seen as these things. And, and guess what? We can put it on a massive projector that all of our friends and all of our family can see, and they can, and they can see through social media that this is the image that I desire to project of myself. It's, it's somebody who does these things and acts this way and speaks in these, in these forms. It's this type of person. And I, I'm going to project this image of myself that's going to show that I am successful, that I am fruitful, that I have made progress, that I have fill in the blank. And what takes place is this, is that what happens when someone else gets what you really feel like you deserve? The thing that you've worked for all of your life, the thing that you desire the most, like I, I want this more than anything, I want this thing. What happens when that takes place? is this, is that you and I come to a place where we say, I, I really want that. And the person who has that, I, I mean, I, I really don't want to be uh, around them. I, or they, they shouldn't really have it. Or I don't like the way that they're doing that. And so therefore, what's going to take place is that I am going to internally and in my mind, I'm going to create this idea that somehow I'm better than them. Like there's this, or, or, or there's this jealousy over their life. There's this envy over the things that they have. Like their family looks neat and put together. And I wish my family looked neat and put together. I wish my wife did those things. I wish my husband did those things. It creates jealousy. It creates envy. And then in the end, what it creates is it creates strife. It creates these, these arguments that take place. And we see this all the time. Between, and, and, and it is at a fever pitch within our political process today. As, as you, you see the opposite sides going further and further and further into the mud, some of them taking themselves into the mud even more, but that's besides the point. But what, what's taking place in our society is a, an incredible magnification of who we are in the flesh. Think about this. You think the political process is absurd? What you need to look at is your own life and say, where are the absurdities in my own life? Where are the absurdities in my life? As, as I look to all of these other things in my life and it creates jealousy, it creates strife, and that's what's taking place nationally, that's what's taking place uh, all over our world, it's what's taking place in your work, it's what's taking place in your home, it's what's taking place in your relationships. And God is a relational God. And so when he brings peace, he brings peace between us and God. When we're right, rightly related to God, we can be rightly related to our fellow man. Because here's the thing. Our world operates on the principle of fruitfulness over faithfulness. And if you buy into that ideology, you also will experience all of the downfalls that happen in, in our world. And you probably are already. And what Paul is speaking to here is he's, he's essentially saying this. He's saying, you think that you're so spiritually mature, you think you have it all together, but, but witness of the fact that you have these things going on in your life, what's really taking place is that you, you don't get it at all. You don't get it. 
you do not get it. He says, for even now you're not ready, for you're still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I'm following this guy or I'm following that guy, are you not really just acting like our world? Are you not just acting like everyone else? See, the expectation is that you would be different. The expectation is that your life would change. And some of you came in without a belief in God, without, with, without, an, without that fundamental principle in your life. And I want to tell you this, that God intends that when you place your faith, when you place your trust, when you lean on him, and you say, I, I want him in my life, I, I want this, God intends that your life would be different, that things would change for you, and that, 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 that your relationships would change. But not because you're just being a more moral person, but because of something else. And so he moves on, and he says in verse 5, what then is Apollos, what is Paul? Who are these guys? Who am I, and who is Apollos? Who, who are these people that you're looking to and you're saying, I, I value them and I, and I want this worldly ethic in my life and I want this in, in my life. Who are these guys that you keep looking to? And he says that these guys who are really preachers in the church, they're people who are involved in, in creating the community that is there. He says, servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. He says, they're, they're just servants. These guys are, are just servants, and yet you look to them and you're after them as though they are everything to you. And this is what happens in our churches today is that people are continually looking to a minister and they're saying, you, you've got to be the one who feeds me. You've got to be the one who's, who is fantastic in my life. And you've got to be this, and you've got to be that, and you've got to be all those things. And then what takes place is this, is that one of those guys fails. And then we find out, oh, my pastor really is a person. He's human. He has failings like everyone else. And then all of a sudden what takes place is this, is that you're devastated. Because now you realize, oh, this guy is faulty. He's sinful. You see what's taking place there? When you bring the worldly point of view into, into the church and you say, okay, you need to be everything to me. You're, you're my everything. You're my all in all. And you bring that into the church and you say, now my pastor or this person in leadership is going to take that place in my life. You set yourself up for failure big time. Because your hope is not in the right place. It's in a servant of God and it's not in the God of the servant. And he says, I planted, verse 6, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Look at what he, continue to read here. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Do you think Paul wants you to know that God is the one who gives the growth? And it's not your teacher it's not your pastor. It's not your community group leader. It's not your mentor. It's God is the one who gives the growth. And what these people believe is like, I'll be a better Christian when I have a better pastor. And while it's true, uh, teaching is good, and good teaching is good, 
But Paul is saying, you have it completely backwards when you believe that your growth is dependent upon this person on this stage. And then you go into this idea that somehow that either that guy has let you down or somehow built you up. And so God's really using that person. But the problem is that you're looking to that guy to be the guy. You're looking to that guy and you have made him God or her God in your life. And Paul is saying something very clear. Like if you think for a second that by having a better teacher or this or that, that you're going to get growth, you're wrong. You're wrong. God is the one who gives the growth. God is the one who creates that in your life. And you could do whatever you want to all day long. You could get involved in some type of discipleship program, and you could do all of these things. And those are good things that we should be a part of. But I, I, I need you to know this, that if your belief that I will be a better person when, or I will be somebody who is growing when, if you believe that somehow that's taking place because you got involved in this or that or the other thing, or you found the right church and this pastor was feeding me, you're missing the point, and that is that God is the one who gives the growth. God is the one. He's the one that wants the credit. He's going to get the credit. God is the one who gives the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So what he's saying here in verse 7 is he's saying that the, the person that you've been looking to, 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 to build you up and to cause you to feel good about yourself, that person is, is, isn't anything. They're, they're nothing. And then, he, and then he says, but neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And so what he's saying is this. He's saying, they're nothing. The pastor is nothing. The servant is nothing. It's God who is everything. It's God who is everything in your life. And when you miss that and you look for a celebrity pastor or you download the latest podcast of somebody who's really fantastic, and you say, okay, I, I really want my pastor to sound more like that guy, which is, in, it's a lot of pressure, I'll just tell you off, right, right off the bat. When you do that, what you're doing is you're saying, that celebrity pastor is going to be God to me. And Paul's saying, it's not that guy, it's not this guy, it's not any other guy, but it's only God who is everything, and those guys are nothing. He says this, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Do you know what he just said there? Each one of these guys who is ministering to you is not going to be rewarded based on how fruitful they are. So when you take a worldly dynamic and you say, I'm going to bring that into my church 
And I'm, and I'm going to bring that into my life, and I'm going to say fruitfulness is the highest value in my life. What you're missing is you're missing God's view on life. Because God's view says this, that your fruitfulness is not what matters most, but it's faithfulness. It's the faithfulness of that person. Each one will be rewarded according to his labor. He'll receive his wages according to his labor. His faithfulness, what he's, what he's done, not what he's experienced from it. Do you, do you know how, how life-changing that is? That the world is turned upside down on its head because of this. Because you and I, our lives are built on, like my fruitfulness is what matters most. Our world believes that. Everyone in our world believes that. But as a church, we're a counter-cultural group of people. And that countercultural group of people are supposed to be people who say that it is not my fruitfulness that is of value to God, but it is the fact that I'm laboring with him and for him. It is the fact that I'm laboring for him. And it takes our world and it says that what you have as your supreme value is not going to be my supreme value. And what does it create in the life of a believer? It creates in the life of somebody who believes us and says that God is the one who gives the growth. God is the one who is the highest value to me. God is the one who I will look to. What happens is this. So you have mature people who are growing beyond what our world says matters most. And they begin to say, you know what? The rest of my life can change. Because what I value no longer rests in what my world values. And that's why um, I, I heard a story just this week. I was in class on, on Friday, and I, and I uh, met a guy there who's a super cool guy, another pastor at a church up in Portland. And he, he told me this story of this businessman that he just he happened to run into. And he, he just happened to walk into this into this staff meeting, and this businessman happened to be there. And here he is. He's this guy who's a pastor, but he also has this nonprofit. And he's trying to get it off the ground, and so he's got this product that he's selling in order to help people overseas. And so he's just like, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I'm trying to figure things out. And he walks into the staff meeting, meets this incredible businessman who, who is uh, from down in Texas. And, and what takes place is that he begins to talk with him, and he, he begins to say, hey, listen, we should work together because I'm doing something similar. And the guy says, hey, we should have coffee. And, he, and so they begin talking, and and, and all of a sudden they realize like this, this incredible businessman is like, hey, listen, my life and my world and the things that I'm doing are all about God and making him known. So everything in my, in my world, like all, all of the things that I design and that I create and that I make in this world, it's, it's so that people will come to know who God is. And this guy's like, that's awesome because that's kind of something that I'm doing and I'm trying to get this thing off the ground. And he says, that's crazy because I just created a product for that same thing that you're talking about. And my friend goes, well, that's nuts. Well, congratulations. And he goes, well, you know what? Let's talk a little more. And so he goes home and he, and he talks with the staff and he talks to his people and he comes back and he, and he says to my friend, he says, he says, listen, We've already created all of this product. We have all of this stuff that's ready to go, and we were about to put it out. But here's the thing. We want to give all of it to you and to your organization, and we want you to sell it 
so that your vision of serving people in the world can take place. How can somebody do that? I'm going to take the product that I've designed to, to make money. It's because this guy, his life, his world does not revolve around his fruitfulness as a leader or other people seeing him as fruitful. What his ultimate value is the faithfulness. It's the labor for God. His ultimate value is like everything else can fall away. Everything else can go away. But I am going to serve my God. So here you have somebody who's a believer. Who's just giving it away. He's just giving his stuff away. And my friend was astounded. He said, I can't even believe it because we had just given away our last dollar to create a farm that was going to serve victims of sex trafficking in some other country. We had just given it away. I didn't have any other source of income. And there it is. This is what takes place. People give themselves away when they no longer carry a human or a worldly ethic. Because of this, because in verse 10, I don't really even have time to go into it. We'll have to finish up next week. But he begins talking about a foundation. And he begins saying something. He begins saying, like, I built on this foundation, and everyone who comes after me better build correctly. And what is that foundation? The foundation is Jesus Christ. The fundamental ethic of his life, the way that he operates and the way that he works is different because his, the foundational element of his life is Jesus Christ, which our world says is foolish because Jesus doesn't seem fruitful. Jesus doesn't seem fruitful, but here's the thing. Jesus was faithful in going to the cross. And when he went to the cross, do you know what took place? fruitfulness by bringing many sons to glory it says his fruitfulness he brought us to him by going to the cross and it's a completely different ethic it says by uh, the way that I gain is through dying the way that I get more is having less the way that the way to to God is not through me making myself look better, but it's through forgiveness, the forgiveness of God. And so that goes into my life, and it changes who I am, and it causes me to be somebody who says, I live by a foundational principle, which is Jesus Christ. It's not a way of living. It's a person. It's a person who is God in the flesh, and that person fundamentally changes who I am. That person fundamentally changes who I am and reworks the inside of my heart. And let me tell you this. Your life cannot truly change unless Jesus comes in and changes you. You cannot come to church and just take some Christian things into your life and say, I'm going to start living morally. I mean, there, there's some benefits to living the way that God would have you live. Uh, the laws of our society, many of them are based on God's best for your life. But you cannot just take a little bit of religion and insert it into your life. It has to be the foundational principle of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross fundamentally changes your viewpoint. And do you know what else it does? It brings peace into your relationships. It brings peace into your relationships. It brings peace with your neighbors. I have some, I have some interesting neighbors. And uh, they don't love nail guns at 8.30 at night, right? I don't know if you do, um, but I, I'm aware that it's, that it's difficult for them. But I, I uh, was working on my house late one night. We were setting some trusses on, on the house. And uh, you, you had to know I was going to go into the remodel at some point. For those of you that have been here for a little while, I'm remodeling my home. And so we're working really late, and uh, as the, the truss truck is backing out of my driveway, a, like a 1984 Cadillac, and I mean like a boat, like a land yacht, like comes down the street and just nails this Mack truck right at the end of my driveway. And so I walk down to the end of my driveway. Now, mind you, I have some neighbors that I, I've, I've, I, I have tried, tried to extend uh, some, uh, you know, some friendship and, and things like that, but... Like, every time we've talked, it's been some type of complaint, whether it's about my kids or uh, things like that. And hopefully we'll cut this out of the podcast in case they podcast. But in, in any case, uh, well, it's, it's the, I'll tell them. It's, it, it was the neighbors on the other side. But um, <laughs> uh, So I'm sitting there, and one of my neighbors comes out and says, Oh, they're finally done with that. Oh, that family up there, they are so loud. I cannot believe it. And I was, uh, in that moment, there's this opportunity to just be like, oh, yeah? I'll tell you what's up, like, as if I do that to an older lady. But um, <laughs> don't put it past me. I've, 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 uh, I've done worse. Not that I'm going to tell you about. Um, um, but I, I said, oh, yeah, that's me. That's me up there. That's my family. Yeah, I'm so, yeah, so sorry. We're just in the middle of a remodel. I, 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 I wish we just, I don't know, put it together with cotton balls and glue sticks, but it just doesn't work that way, right? Uh, I, uh, I wish that was the case. But we got to sit and have a conversation, and lo and behold, they start sharing with me that their daughter has cancer, like stage four cancer, and they're really concerned about that. And I, I, again, I, I want to be careful that I'm not creating me as the hero because I don't think I've functioned correctly in every instance that I've spoken with them. I'll just, I'll just say I'm angry half the time because they complain all the time, and it's just it's frustrating. But I, I had to think in that moment, God, you allowed this accident to take place out in front of my driveway so that I could have this conversation with these people so that they could tell me about their daughter so that I could be kind to them in these moments. And so that what would take place between us is a gospel-oriented conversation that says, I, I'm not angry with you because you always criticize me. I love you because what matters most to me is not whether you like me, but what matters most to me is whether you know Jesus, whether you know God, whether you have a relationship with him. The gospel fundamentally changes the relationships that you have. And it allows peace to come in to situations where there was no peace to begin with. 
Jesus is that foundational principle. Let's pray. Lord, I, I, I want to pray for our church and for the, the folks that are here this morning. Lord, so many of us have, have, have come to church believing that somehow we, we need a new teaching or a new kind of teacher. Perhaps they're, they're just visiting. Lord, I pray that they would understand that you're the one who brings the growth and it's not their teacher at home it's not it's not anybody else but you're the one who's going to bring about this growth and that comes through your gospel of going to the cross for us Lord I pray uh, for our, our people Lord that you would bring about maturity in our lives Lord that you'd cause us to be people who think rightly, and Lord, that we're not thinking in human terms, but Lord, we're thinking in spiritual terms. Lord, that we'd view our outside relationships and the people around us as, as people who are seen in your light. Lord, that we would love your gospel and how much you've forgiven us and how much you've, you've brought grace into our lives. Lord, that we'd bring grace into the midst of our conversations. And Lord, instead of condemning those around us and the, and the things that we see as sinful or, or something like that. Lord, I pray that we'd see our own sin and just be grateful for the fact that you have saved us. And so we can walk into our life with an attitude of gratitude. And we can walk into our life with an attitude of mercy. And Lord, in the, in the context of our church, we don't have to fight. And we don't have to have jealousy and rivalries and, and anger and arguments have no place in our church. But Lord, we're praying that, that your gospel will be the foundational principle of our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen.